You are listening to the JCN Clinic Podcast. The JCN Clinic Podcast is a place where nutritionalists Jessica Cox and Carissa Mason get real about nutrition and living a healthy life. They share with you their passion and their clinical knowledge for a fun, no BS approach to looking after yourself. Please enjoy today's episode and don't forget to subscribe and iTunes. Hello and welcome to the JCN Clinic podcast show. I'm Jessica. I'm Carissa. And today we are talking all about rosacea because you guys have requested it and we thought, why not listen to the people? (laughs) Yeah, very good. (laughs) As simple as that. It's as simple as that. We've actually put out a bit of a call out for topics that you'd like us to talk about. So we've collated them, we've made a list and we'll start going through them. But rosacea was definitely mentioned. I feel like rosacea is interesting because it's so funny, even before we decided we we're doing this this morning, interestingly, I was having this discussion with my mum and dad about rosacea being not, not misdiagnosed, but diagnosed in a sense by a GP with no understanding as to what we're going to talk about, given a cortigo steroid cream like to put on the face mm-hmm. just to treat it and um and then the the side effects that that obviously causes yeah for sure, for sure. and i've had a few clients with that so it was just interesting because we're saying like my dad because my dad gets um rosacea which we'll talk about but um, i'm sure but i since they've obviously just come back from traveling and i haven't seen them for 12 months and dad's always had like this definite like red redness and flushing in his cheeks and micro capillary damage and stuff and he's always had this redness but last time I saw him 12 months ago it was really bad really I remember looking I'm just thinking geez like he's either been drinking a bit or like what's going on with his poor little face like it was just so red his whole face and he's like oh no I got this patch and I started using the steroid cream the steroid cream's actually making it better so we just actually thought he had really bad rosacea and the steroid cream was just keeping the worst of it at bay but as it turns out he stopped using the steroid cream because mum started googling the effects of steroid cream long term this is a totally topic already but anyway whatever, whatever you guys can hear it whatever anyway and it's funny because i've had two clients actually go through this similar experience so um then stop using the topical steroid cream get a really bad flare for two weeks and then a lot of stuff calms down and so dad's skin actually looks the best i've actually seen wow it. interesting so, and interesting but we'll talk about rosacea <laughs> <laughs> oh that we will that's how the conversation came out this morning. I'm like, your skin looks really good, Dad. <laughs> really clear. What are you doing? Why, thank you. <laughs> so rosacea, it is actually a condition that we see quite a lot in the clinic. And um, I think it's also one of those conditions people either know about because they have it and they deal with it or other people are like, what the hell is that? So to start with, as far as what rosacea actually is, um, Carissa obviously just gave you a bit of an idea. Generally, we're dealing with a real red, it's often referred to as like a butterfly type rash across mm. the face, like from the nose and flushing into the cheeks. Um, it's often referred to as flushing or blushing, but there's a real redness to it. But there's also um, vessels as well, little um, your little blood vessels that are quite, yes, they, and they become quite pronounced, yeah, and quite um obvious to visually which obviously no one likes to see um not that we hate looking at your face that sounds really bad you don't look particularly as women but I'm sure men too it's it's one of those things that we know 
people get really funny about visually. And they can also yep. be little, um, we often refer to them as papules, like little white I'm, I'm yep. touching my face doing this, but like tiny, lots of little white bumps that almost are like little pimples. Um, that can be yep. quite common with it too. So it's it's very much this um, up and down flared um, redness mm. and inflammation to that face area. And um, yep. I think with the clinic and with clients, um, a lot of people who come in, you know, I'd be interested to hear what you think with this. I think people come in knowing they've got rosacea, but then others don't realise what's going on. They just explain that they have this redness to that area or you even pick it yeah. up yourself through questioning. Do you find that it's it's one of those things that's a little bit 50-50 as far as people even realising what's going on there? Yeah, definitely. I think... Um I think some people are aware of what it is and they and that they've got it, but they don't actually know. We, I'm going to say there's probably like there's probably a small percentage of my or our clients that walk through the door, but the clients that I see that are aware of rosacea and its relation to potentially internal, you know, things going on. Probably a very small percentage. Then there's a fifty percent percentage of people that know that they have it, know that it can be potentially treatable, but that's maybe they're coming in with that as one of their symptoms, but not 100% sure if there's anything we can do about it, but they're in here for other things anyway. Mm. And then there's actually a really large percentage of people that have it that just don't actually even know what it is. And they're kind of just like, yeah, I get this. I've got this weird flushing on my cheeks. Or you might just see and you'd be like, how long have you know you had that flushing yeah. on your cheeks for? Or like, is that something that you, that happens a lot? Or is that something that's you know just ongoing all the time? You know, despite exercise or yeah. So you get into that. The other interesting thing I think I've found with rosacea is how commonly I think we've talked about this in another podcast or something. I can't remember. We're going to talk about it again. Um, is how commonly and even by dermatologists, I hate to say, um, how commonly it's misdiagnosed. Mm. So there's there's I'm, I see a lot of people that have been told they have perioral dermatitis and it's rosacea or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, or, yeah, like or they, like perioral dermatitis is a completely different presentation. Yeah. Like perioral dermatitis, we're talking about like a redness and kind of like a, a drying of the skin and red irritant, yeah. even cracking that kind of goes from the sides of your nose at the bottom yeah. down right. around yeah. the corners of your mouth and kind of follows that smile crease to yeah. a degree and even onto the chin. So perioral dermatitis and rosacea are different in terms of the face, the parts of the face that they sit on. But sometimes what we see and what I've seen with some of my clients is depending on what's going on internally for them, there seems to be a real crossover of those areas. So there's this undiagnosed facial skin condition that might be perioral dermatitis, mm-hmm. might be rosacea, and they're not really sure what it is. But either way, it's something mm-hmm. and they're just being told they can either yeah similar to my dad I guess like take a steroid cream and just put that on it every day or just mm-hmm. you know they're kind of trying to deal with it as best they can and yeah as you sort of mentioned it's nothing anyone likes so obviously anything on the face is so yeah, visual right yeah so, exactly people are always very aware and heightened about it as far as um a symptom yeah which totally yeah. is understandable so let's talk about you've hinted at some of them already but I'm a good hinter today (laughs) we're going to talk of course about causes which is really interesting um, once you start moving away from seeing a dermatologist and the use of topical creams because this is where obviously for us it's a super exciting space because there's so much going on underneath and then that can dictate treatment which we'll talk about after this area but I guess what I wanted to mention first um, as far as causes is 
before we dive into the different areas, like generally I want you to think of it as inflammation. Like it's a heightened inflammatory response and we know that there is generally some form of it's called like a mast cell activation or um, basically these mast cells that will be most likely producing a lot more histamine and a lot more vasodilation. So by that, I mean that dilation of those blood vessels or those little capillaries, which causes that redness and those um, that symptomology or that look to the skin. So, I think it's important to remember that that is an underlying factor. It's just what triggers that response. And that's really important for us because, you know, if that's that's what's going on in the skin, it's then like, but why? We are always saying that at JCN, yep. but why? Why, 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 Because the why's yeah. help us <laughs> treat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And what's causing rosacea for one person is not necessarily going to be what's causing rosacea for the next person. So obviously, as Jess has just alluded, there's definitely a bit of a histamine involvement. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's like a lot of commonalities, I'm going to say as well, with rosacea in terms of like probably underlying causes. There's definitely some overlaps with com- commonalities, but yeah. Exactly. Why? Why? <laughs> well, do you want to kick off? Do you want to, um, I know, I didn't even know if you got my little listy. <laughs> I did, but I didn't actually read it because I was too busy depth <laughs> so switching got clean feed on. listicle in your head, but um, yeah. do you want to kick off listicle? It's a thing, man. It's a thing. It's a thing. It's a listicle. <laughs> do you want to do you want to pick with something um, that's at the top of the list in your head and we'll just start rolling through? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll, no just, I'll just stay order. in the hit. Yeah. No particular order. Let's just, let's just fire some things. I'm going to say, I'm obviously going to say the gut, but I definitely see a lot with, oh, I feel like I'm just going to say all three well, things here. It's really hard not to say everything because they're all related. Not, isn't it? They're all related. So I'm going to say histamine, estrogen, SIBO. So they're, <laughs> which is, Jess is just like, yeah, thanks for that. Now I've got nothing I don't even I get to say. say. See ya. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to say histamine because obviously we're dealing with like a redness and a flushing of the skin. So definitely there can be like the internal histamine response. Histamine foods aren't always to blame it though. That's the thing, Um, which I think obviously some... God, I feel like I'm just going to overlap all spaces here. So maybe it's just kind of hard to just segregate one. Just go with it. it. Just do it. Go with flow. Yeah, so... So we kind of have an estrogen histamine relationship where sometimes people will just get this rosacea and this flushing of the skin more so around their menstrual cycle, um, which is definitely something I see. Or let's just say, for example, someone hasn't had a period for a long, a long period of time. Huh? <laughs> I'm funny. Someone hasn't had a someone hasn't had a period for a period of time, and then as and let's just say they've had an underlying gut issue, whether it be histamines or SIBO, and we've been treating all of that, and then with the influx of the hormone space kicking back in, so we're dealing with someone who's potentially had hypothalamic amenorrhea or post-pill PCOS or post-pill amenorrhea or something like that. And then when the when we've calmed the body down and done the gut work and all of that, and then the, the hormones start to kick back in, what we see is estrogen, as estrogen starts to rise in the body again, we can get this flushing of the skin. So 
I've definitely seen that a lot mm. and it presents itself as rosacea, but then I've also seen what we would, what I would call cyclic rosacea. Mm-hmm. I just make up my names for things, <laughs> but cyclic rosacea that usually happens around the time of the menstrual cycle, sometimes with ovulation, mm. but more commonly around the time of the menstrual cycle. And that's usually when estrogen and histamine are having a bit of a dojo relationship. So <laughs> what we, <laughs> and that causes a bit of flushing, a bit of flushing in the skin. So usually when people either are more estrogen driven or they have issues clearing estrogen are the type of people we would see that in but if you have underlying histamine issues whether that be from a bacterial perspective you're naturally you're eating a higher histamine diet like I know with Mm. some of my clients I'll actually just get them for the week leading up to their period they're on a low histamine diet the rest of the cycle not so bad Mm. but when we're in those final stages I'm like we just back off all histamine foods like ferments krauts um, aged cheese, all of that in the lead up to the period cycle is what we know about histamine. If you have issues breaking it down, is it then opposes how estrogen is detoxed and how estrogen is pushed through the detoxification cycle. So, so that's one area of rosacea. Did I explain that okay? Yeah, for sure. And I love, I know as usual, we're crossing over a little bit into treatment, but I, I so like I'm nodding furiously because with yeah. clients, it's so common to see, as you just said, that sort of cyclic um, activation through the period yep. and, um, you know, and that alone is such a, a sign that you've got that relationship going on with the hormones and that mm. estrogen response. But it also means that, as you said too, which is I think um, a really cool thing we can do with treatment is taper treatment with potentially whether there's supplements involved but particularly diet around yep. what's happening in your body. And I know definitely the same with clients I see that working really well where yeah you don't Mm. have to have someone constantly in a low histamine state with their diet but it's at certain points and um, I think yeah that's that's really important to understand and hopefully with people listening today um, you know if if they are sort of having a bit of a light bulb moment even with this area of like oh my god I get these like you know increased flushing and these symptoms the girls are talking about with my cycle, uh, you know, each month of these sort of cyclic activity, you know, this is like a real like, you know, red flag that something like this mm. is going on underneath. Yeah. And for some women, it's very subtle. Yeah. It's just something that, in you know, obviously case taking and questioning we uncover. But for some of my clients, it is full on like I'm talking it is it starts off on their nose yeah the bridge of their nose hey it spreads to their cheeks but then can go right up the bridge of their nose into their forehead it can become hard and raised and dried and cracked and sometimes too like what we're looking at especially sometimes and I find this more with you know a kickback in of the cycle when we're dealing with like uh, some sort of amenorrhea when the period cycle kicks back in the intense as estrogen just really starts to rise in the female body we see this intensity in the skin that is not cyclic it's throughout the cycle so we're you know looking at backing off histamine foods entirely Mm. and if we're dealing with SIBO we're also unfortunately dealing with the SIBO foods as well so sometimes it's a low histamine low FODMAP diet with gut work and I'm also if we're in this really intense crucial couple of months getting a a dermal therapist in there as well so I've I've got clients like say in Sydney or Melbourne I'm like right we need to get you working with someone Mm -hmm. topically to make sure you're doing LED treatments to calm down this redness and inflammation and stuff from a topical point of view and you're using the right kind of face products that don't have high allergenic stuff in them that's further adding to this you know in environmental part Mm -hmm. of how histamine can play from a topical point of view so 
for sure. It's a really, yeah, it's a, it can be a full-on thing throughout the cycle that people have all the t- their period cycle throughout the time and then you can work with reducing the histamine load and you can see less flushing mm. and then we work with around the period cycle as we work with estrogen and stuff like that. But then we have we have rosacea that's not related to estrogen (laughs) and not related to um, the period cycle and that one's yours. (laughs) Well, the thing I find interesting with this is that from still from, I would say, client experience that usually in this scenario, there still seems to be a histamine element, which makes sense with what we're talking about. It just may not be as flared with the cycle. And of course, you might be dealing with men, of course, too, as a client. But usually with this case, definitely we're going back to the gut again. And something that is often referred to by us as endotoxemia, which sounds really nasty, but we've talked about this a lot before. It's just an increased load of endotoxins on the gut and on the body so internally you are producing a a lot of toxins through either the food that you're consuming that is inflammatory to you whether it's like everyday healthy food that your body isn't responding well to or whether you have a shitty diet like either or Um, the microbiome itself. So if we're dealing, as Carissa said, with particularly with SIBO or with chronic dysbiosis, we've got a lot of inflammatory load in the gut. We've got a lot of usually overgrowth of bacteria that produce um, LPS and these inflammatory compounds. And all of that is like a big rubbish dump that is just (laughs) piling up and creating this huge, big pile of literally toxins and debris that your gut has to deal with but also which I think people always forget is that the gut is the kind of gateway and link to the rest of the body it doesn't just happen there and then it's like sayonara we have absorption through into the blood into the lymphatics and then you've got your detox organs dealing with that load and then the systemic movement in general of what's going on in the gut, through the body, through blood and lymph. So if there is like a huge overload of this going on, that puts so much pressure onto the detoxification Mm. organs and your skin is a big detox organ. So The biggest. The biggest, in fact. (laughs) The biggest, in fact. (laughs) So we're putting a lot of pressure onto a detox organ. But then also if that whole process within the gut is – creating more histamine reactivity or histamine production because of the type of bacteria that are involved or um, a breakdown in the clearance of the estrogen because of, again, whether it's bacteria or enzyme function, that's where we start seeing this heightened histamine response again and then an in, it's sort of more of a push towards these like um, conditions like rosacea. So, Usually there'll still be a histamine reactivity with that going on. And I know with my clients, not generally, all the time, you need to look at the control of histamine, however that looks for that person individually, through diet and potentially supplementation. But you can can have that whole shit show going on. Without the hormones, um, but I know again 
as I'm sure Carissa does, particularly with women where rosacea tends to present with more, there is probably more that often than not a bit of a hormonal cycle that tends to be pulled in. It just makes sense because of the relationship between histamine and estrogen that you start to see that a little bit more, but not all the time. Um, I, I even was going to say, I even think with my male clients where I've dealt with rosacea over the last couple of years, I'm going to say most of them have probably been estrogenic men. Yeah, like they carry that. Makes they sense. carry that definitely that that weight in their gut. Um, yeah, I'm going to say that if like we were to do a Dutch test on them, mm-hmm. or even just like a um, salivary hormone test, I'm going to say most of the most of them are more estrogenic guys. Yeah. I would have to say, yeah. like, which I think quite often people think about because they're like, oh, guys don't have estrogen. Yes, they bloody do. <laughs> oh, yes. So both of our phones are I like, know, I know. <laughs> sorry, guys. <laughs> the other thing I just wanted to mention is environmental. Um, and yeah. also, I guess, I guess diet, of course, but then that kind of rolls back into what we're just saying. But yeah, as you, as you said, I guess diet first, high histamine diet, alcohol um, consumption, like being super, super high in histamine. Alcohol's a massive it's one, a isn't massive, it? massive, massive trigger. But environmental For is a biggie. I know um, a lot of people with, with rosacea will say either temperature, um, particularly heat. The sun is massive going out in the sun and wind people, as well. People tell you they're allergic to the sun. Yes. I've had some of my clients say, I'm allergic to the sun. Yeah. I'm like, what do you mean by that? And they're like, I actually have an allergy. I'm like, well, tell me what happens. And it, it's definitely like, it's definitely that rosacea presentation, yeah. but they'll get, they can get blotches all over their body from the sunlight. Yeah. And it's just crazy. It's just like, okay, cool. What's actually going on inside that you're so reactive? Yeah. Like you're, you're not allergic to the sun. Yeah. It's just you've got such a heightened histamine response. Yeah, to Why? that heat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So again, if you find yourself being triggered by those environmental changes, it's another really big red flag. So they're things that we're always looking for too and obviously using as far as treatment, you know, practical way we don't want to like put you in a in a box and lock you inside in but yeah. you do need to be <laughs> practical um i've got a one of my clients she won't care when they're talking about her she's over in italy at the moment and in in full-blown summer and she'll she'll be outside so we've had conversations about yeah wearing her big hat and keeping the sun off her face because she's <laughs> the worst she'll be like out all day in the garden um you know, in the sun and drinking wine, homemade wine. I'm like, and she's like, why is my rosacea really bad? I'm like, hmm, wonder, hmm. wonder about that. Well, at least, the, at least the wine's probably not jacked with sulfite. Yeah. So she's decreased one histamine load. <laughs> 10 points for effort there, love. <laughs> so let's move on to treatment, which we've kind of already talked a little bit about in some regards. So yep. look, this is, this is again hard to kind of talk about without touching on everything isn't it because of that relationship but if you know that if it's if it is more driven by what's going on like we you mentioned first about hormones that's going to influence uh how you may push certain avenues of your treatment but absolutely i think for 
for all of us at JCN, treatment's going to involve a pretty in-depth look to what's going on in the gut to start with. Yeah. So it's going to involve a good trawl through your diet to make sure you've got a really good foundation, of course, which we always say, but we will be looking at your histamine load. And a lot of people do have a higher histamine load in their diet than they realize just by nature of, I think, what's kind of trendy and cool in the um, the sort of wellness yeah. space. And we're not saying histamine foods are bad. It's like saying, no. high, you know, high FODMAP foods are bad. Like they're wonderful and, and beautiful. But again, it's like if they're trigger foods for you, we need to go through your diet and figure that out. Then in most cases with a condition like this, I I just think you need more information and I'm sure I'm sure you're the same like there's usually so much going on with rosacea that I think that looking at a functional stool test and or SIBO testing is pretty yeah. important so you know what you're dealing with particularly when it's coming yeah. to certain microbial overgrowth and how to look at that and also if you're seeing certain species that may be really tied up with histamine like you just can really target that more effectively don't you think yeah definitely 100 percent. i did i think the stool test is great because i think not everyone's bacterial presentation is the same and yeah. not everyone's gut presentation is the same like even though rosacea is a, the commonality mm. it's not necessarily Again, this is where it comes back to individualized treatment, but it's not going to be the same treatment for everyone. Mm-hmm. Like some people need to be on a super low histamine diet. And I'm talking overripe avocados, overripe mm. bananas, everything comes out of the equation. Um, when we're talking about histamine diet, some people it's just like, let's just pull your ferments yeah. because you're having kraut on bloody everything. You're having a glass of wine every mm. night when you get home. You're eating a couple block couple of squares of dark chocolate at night Mm -hmm. and you just like let's just look at your overall histamine load here and let's just pull what passata sauces you love you know your italian food Mm -hmm. like i'm just i'm wrecking people's lives sometimes (laughs) for a couple of weeks but i'm just like you like that like you're taking away everything i love boost chocolate and italian food but but when you're kind of looking at that, like even olives, like some people, they just have this naturally, it's a beautiful diet, mm-hmm. but it's just a very high histamine diet. And yeah, so some people, you don't need to put them on a full low histamine diet. It's just, let's just pull some of these big game plays that you're having yeah. all the time, do a gut, do a gut test, treat and get your gut microbiome back in balance. And you can have those foods back in moderation yes. a lot of the time. And that's key. Like we always say with whatever areas we talk about with limiting a diet to start with, with treatment that... We don't want to control your rosacea by you being on a low histamine diet. Like that, that is not a treatment. It's part of the treatment whilst we get the underlying cause sorted. But you shouldn't have to eat low histamine, um, particularly an extreme low histamine diet ongoingly to control your rosacea. So that's why we want to dig deeper and get in and figure out what's going on with the gut. And that's where the treatment becomes more tailored from there because then we know, okay, we're dealing with like this chronic SIBO condition, which is hydrogen dominant. It needs X, Y, Z, or we're dealing with X, Y, Z in like the, the lower bowel. Like it's a, it's a whole different ball game once we have those results. Um, Yes. In some cases we may try maybe a month to six weeks of some base treatment. um, If we think that that might do the trick first, Um, but usually after a month to six weeks, if we're not seeing results, we would be looking at getting more info 
And on top of that, if there's this really strong hormonal component, yes, we're going to look at your hormones. But as we've said a billion times, most of the time we're going to start, 95% of the time we're still going to start in your gut because we need to get that sorted first before diving into doing a lot of hormonal work because they need to be done in a synchronized manner majority of the time. So you're not trying to work on hormones when there's a really poor gut. gut. So I think generally we're going to probably put at least eight to 12 weeks of some work into your gut first often you know we might do eight weeks and then if everything's responding well we might start talking to you about okay here's a dutch test take this home next month do your collection so we'll be three months in and we've got some dutch results to start rolling with to start to to put on top of this um would you agree yeah definitely and i was gonna say too another thing that i definitely think goes hand in hand and it's a big big obvious one we talk about a lot too is you have to you have to be willing to change some of your lifestyle factors Mm -hmm. like histamine um rosacea a lot of this gut stuff some of it is so stress driven too like histamine i feel like my hardest histamine hardest to treat histamine clients there's a lot of stress involved as well whether it be work stress lifestyle stress um, yeah, there's just, and mm-hmm. I think sometimes too, the, and you get someone so far, but the minute there's a reflare of stress, there's a re and it just makes sense, obviously, because we know that connection between stress and the gut microbiota and all of that, but you can't live a high stress, high, or high environment, high stress environment life, mm-hmm. whether that be, you know, whatever it may be. And then you will only get so far with this histamine sort of work, like, you know, and that can be stress from drinking too much Mm. or working in a you know a a 70 hour a week job where you just make no time to prioritize yourself and your health and you go 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 and you're coming home and having two glasses of wine to compensate like there's just all these other things that have to go hand in hand with this to kind of fully move through the space so agree yeah that environmental lifestyle component is huge i mean it's we see it all the time becoming a massive impact on people being able to improve their health as um, efficiently as you know as we'd like them to because of these outside factors and they're they're often the hardest to control for a lot of people but definitely in this regard as you said like that kind of classic coping mechanism of coming home and having the glasses of wine and just that feed so strongly into the this type of response Um, and then as we said before some of those environmental factors to consider about um, what you might need to do if you're in certain environmental trigger spots and how you can protect your skin a little bit more. Um, the other thing that you mentioned too, which I don't know as much about, is um, the topical treatment. Yeah. So I know the LED topical is something stuff you've had a lot of game feedback changer. on. Yeah. yeah, game changer. So I, yeah, obviously too, just going and working in the skin space a little bit, but just taking better care of my own skin. I, like in the last couple of years, I've learned a lot, mm. but um, yeah, so LED, LED light treatment has been a game changer for some of my clients that have got even just really red, angry acne, like that, anything, just think redness, inflammation. So histamine, you know, obviously the redness that comes with like PCOS or androgen style acne or um, gut related acne. It was funny. I was having a big chat to Lex this week about, I'm really, 
I'm starting to almost have like a photographic mind category of look, I get all my clients now to send me photos of their skin if I'm dealing with skin, Mm -hmm. because sometimes what people are calling hormonal um, acne is actually not, it's gut acne. Mm -hmm. Like it's, like, it's really interesting. Like, anyway, that aside, <laughs> Lex and I are having a chat about that this week and I'm like, just get people to send you photos mm. of your skin because you'll start to see correlations because you get these Dutch results back. Like, you'll chat to a client they're like, no, it's definitely hormonal acne and that's what they write on their form and you do some good case taking, you know their gut's not okay, you do a Dutch test, the Dutch test doesn't come back with any sort of androgens mm-hmm. and you kind of suspect that because you know from the presentation of it and nine times out of ten you end up going back and looking at the gut anyway and that's what clears up the residual stuff or well, that's the space you're working in at the moment. But anyway... Um, the LED side of it, I found really good for just that intense redness. Just if someone has a big histamine reaction mm. or perioral dermatitis or just trying to calm down the redness of the, you know, the acne sort of, you know, skin like LED therapy for people has been a game changer mm. just to give you, cause obviously what we do is we're treating the underlying cause, but it takes time. Yeah. If we're just, if we're dealing with someone who's got a stressful job, a dysbiotic gut, um, estrogen driven hormonal stuff, you know, like that's a lot of layers to mm-hmm. peel back. Like we're not going to have you looking and feeling amazing in three weeks. I'm sorry, but that's the reality. We can start to get some decreases in your symptoms, but we're doing it's a it's a longer road doing it properly and getting to the to the core the core drivers and fixing all of that. But in the interim, you can get some really good kind of you know topical topical I guess relief. Yeah. <laughs> from from working in that sort of space with led and things like that i've seen that work really well for people that's cool that's really cool um yeah i i find it really fascinating i've only had it once i'd love to have it again it was like really cool and quite relaxing once i (laughs) once i got used to this like kind of goggle situation and (laughs) yeah i i really have to um i get it done but i have to be in the if I'm not calm, mm. I can't deal with it because I don't like that thing over my face. I'm a bit claustrophobic yeah. with things. So I know sometimes if like I'm a bit stressed and I go in for my skin, my skin to be done, like my skin treatment and Renee will do her thing or whatever. And she's like, I'm just going to whack the LED and she pops the goggles on and she's like, and she can see my breathing must wow. change because she sits and she's just like, how are you feeling? I'm like, no, nah, not for me today. Oh, wow. But wow. yeah, because I just, I can't lay, it's like almost like depending on the, the, thing that they use there's obviously different things but it's kind of almost like a a cone that sort of sits over your face a little bit once you visually see it it's not as freaky Mm -hmm. like now that I actually know what it is but the first time because I never knew what it was I like I remember laying there for like the 20 minutes and I like actually couldn't wait for the thing to be off my face because I didn't know what it was and the next time I was fine but then the third time I think I had it done I was like I couldn't do it. And then I said to her, I'm like, you just need to show me what is actually going over my head. So true. <laughs> then, and now I think I'd be fine with it. But obviously, like, we do different things every time. She, I just go in and she just does whatever she thinks my skin needs. But, um, but yeah, so, but yeah, it's, it's been a game changer. Like I know I've got a couple of clients down in Sydney and different parts of New South Wales and even in down in Victoria where I'm like, we need to start looking mm. at a good, a good dermal therapist for you. So start putting your finger, like your little feelers out mm. and ask some friends and family. You want someone who works more on the holistic space who, and the other thing is the right, the right skin creams and, you know, things for your face. Oh, I know you so and I started getting into this space yeah, yeah, <laughs> finally. finally we're interested in it for... <laughs> finally jess and i give a shit about the like 10 years after everyone else <laughs> yeah, everyone listening could probably years. tell us more about it than we yeah, exactly <laughs> i know i feel like everyone else started 20 years ago we're just getting into it <laughs> <laughs> anyway. 
but it makes a difference and it definitely makes a difference if you're using stuff on your skin that is not agreeing with it it's just going to further agitate it from a topical point of yeah, view so it's definitely sure. i would say rec- i could yeah highly recommend i think um and she won't mind us talking about her, but Haley's a really good representation Haley pt that oh I know yeah yeah yeah, she's a perfect representation of just how quickly she responded, came in, nothing really going on with her hormones, just high histamine load in her gut and some stress. Yeah. Popped her on a low histamine diet, got her in, did some LED, got her on the right stuff for her gut and boom, like the the changes over 6 to 12 weeks to now, like she's just, she's, yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. It's crazy. So, yeah, she's obviously like best case scenario because she didn't have a lot of estrogen stuff involved and all of mm. that. It was literally just gut histamine stress clear all that up get her on some led and yeah she just cruised through it but hers was more i'm going to say a bit bit more perioral dermatitis as opposed to rosacea right. but yeah well yeah. i think like the last thing i want to sort of say about treatment and kind of i guess if anything reiterate that you touched on is that usually with rosacea there's a whole lot going on and you do need to be realistic about the time frame to deal with this. Mm. Like once I know once I start seeing rosacea, really strong rosacea in a client from an initial, I'm like, there's a lot of work to do here. This isn't just, just an easy sort of walk in the park type of mm. treatment. Like this is we're in for the long haul. Um, it's something that you need to be committed to and work with your practitioner through, yeah, in like absolutely yeah. in like three to six months. Of course, we want to be seeing some really positive changes, but it is it is something that definitely warrants a good minimum six to 12 months of commitment of treatment with your practitioner. And then as Carissa yeah. really highlighted, working with your lifestyle, listening to the advice your practitioner gives you there, um, working with other outside therapies. So it is, it isn't just a simple like do a gut detox. Love that, love that phrase. Do a detox. <sighs> Take a couple of supplements for a month, you know, and then boom, fix. Like please, yeah. give this the respect that it deserves. Um, but then on the flip side, like the magic of of this area for us is there's so much you can do. So if you've been diagnosed with rosacea, whether it's recently or five years ago or ten years ago, it's not something that you need to just live with that it is something um, that can be, inverted commas, treated, looked at, and then definitely broken down to look at these underlying causes mm. specifically to you. So yeah, I think that's what we love about a condition yeah. like this. Yeah, definitely. And I think too, like even I'm just thinking back to a client that I had, gosh, years ago, and we just didn't have, and I just thought I've even eaten sent I think him an email about histamines and stuff Mm -hmm. since because we just didn't have the information about so much information we knew rosacea was definitely SIBO related and there was a histamine element but we didn't have the the PCR stool testing when I was seeing him so we just couldn't quite get to the bottom we got him sometimes better anyway and I just remember, like, I just remember once all this testing became involved, we learned more about histamine, the histamine space and all of that. And I remember just emailing him going, I think this might be it for you. <laughs> like, you know, I know, like, it wasn't all of it. because we, But, I, yeah, but it's just funny you think back to these clients. So I think even if you're someone who, you know, maybe visited a practitioner seven or eight years ago and, you know, you were told there wasn't much that could be done for your rosacea, like the, the world of the gut and histamine and SIBO space has changed so much yeah. in terms of what we know and what we can test for now. And, you know, like even just in terms of, you know, um, 
supplement therapy, like supplements and stuff like that. Like things mm. are so much more targeted at this histamine response now. Whereas three years ago, we really didn't have those no, that supplement so toolkit, did so we? True. Like we didn't. Yeah, we didn't have products like you know our all of our favorite one that is the gut powder, which I won't mention. <laughs> and we didn't have high dose quercetin, and we didn't have you know like these um real ant like almost ant natural antihistamine compounds yeah. in our toolkit. So. Yeah. What we what we can actually even use to treat you now has changed so much fund like over the last couple yeah, of years. So, so true, which is really exciting. Um, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, <laughs> cool. thanks everyone for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, as we said, we'll endeavor to start breaking down and, and answering more of your requested topics. But if um, there's anything in particular that comes to mind, just DM us and we'll add it to the list. Add it to the list, baby. Please share this episode. Um, we would love you to do that. It just gives us heaps of joy. And we'd love you to just take a few moments to pop um, onto the iTunes and leave us a little review. Would be fantastic. And you know what? Can you take another literally like 30 seconds, even less, to head to google review i'm going to pop the link in the show notes yep. and um just leave us a little google review too because that just helps more people find us yeah and i actually i did a post on our podcast if anyone wants to jump on instagram tag a mate no one's tagged anyone <laughs> except rude 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 <laughs> but just tag a mate who hasn't heard of our podcast and just get our annoying voices out there because we've got so much to say <laughs> Oh, I'm, I'm, you're probably going to hear some noise because I literally, this thing's like, I'm going to shut down. Yeah, I know, I've got 8%. <laughs> oh, wow, I'm on 9. <laughs> okay, cool. All right, thanks guys, for thanks listening. for listening. Bye. Bye.